my goodness, it is podcasting time. And I'm Rachel Vo, and I'm so excited to be here. And I know I say that probably every single time I get ready to film or record one, but it is absolutely the truth. And I am even more excited each and every time that there is a super special guest on the show without such so, uh, I'm Rachel Vote. If we've never met, chances are we probably have connected in some way, shape, or form. But if you are brand new to anything and everything that I do, thank you so much for being here. If some way, shape, or form, you could let me know how we are connecting. Did somebody introduce us? Did you just happen to stumble upon me? Whatever. I would really much, very much appreciate it. If you would like to continue to connect with me, find the link tree in the description. So whether that's one-to-one sessions, if you want to do empowerment classes, uh, one of the limited Limited but still free ways to connect with me by doing uh, an in-home party. Uh, as most of you know, I still partner with Pure Romance. It's a smart thing to do as an intimacy coach to have a really great selection of high quality products for your sexual wellness and intimacy. So that is something that you can do if you're semi-local to where I'm at. So make sure to let me know if you want to connect. Uh, today on the podcast, season three, might I add, uh, recap real quick. If you uh, did not hear in a previous episode of season three, I'm so excited to be here. I know I said that, but I mean, like, I'm so excited that we're in season three, and it's because of all of you, okay? If you did not catch a previous notation of this, uh, I put the podcast to rest for a year. I just needed to do that for personal reasons, and I was very lovingly coached out of it by y'all, okay? For listeners who said, hey, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I'm like, oh, I was teetering on it, and now here we are. Uh, Most importantly, after asking me to come back, the number one piece of feedback I got from listeners was that they love when we do stories about other people. (laughs) Okay, because I do too. I don't mind blabbering for 60 minutes. That's really fun for me as well. But I very much also enjoy getting people on to talk about their stories, uh, their lives. It's not really a story, but it forms in a story to make it entertainment value for you. But the purpose of that is like perspective. The more we understand other people's stories, the more that we can build the skill of empathy, which is one of the largest things I think that we all need in humankind. So uh, I... If you've listened before when we have a guest, I would love, love, love just to kick it off. Now, this time, though, is a little, this is a little bit different because I believe this is the first time we've... Oh, Olivia. Olivia kicked me off in the season opener for guesting. But I was just trying to remember if Kaylee had been on and you have not, my dear friend. So, yeah. Yeah. So, previously, I was able to kind of like say, oh, y'all have seen my friend of mine. Have seen my friend? Whoever was there. But Kaylee's breaking her cherry when it comes to being on the podcast. So, we're literally going to swing it over to her. I would love for her to just to let, let you know who she is, but just as kind of... um a small background because I anticipate this is a kind of conversation where it's going to kick off and it's just going to start rolling right away. So you are in for a real treat. And I mean that with the most loving intention possible, because what I've asked Kaylee to be a part of the podcast for today was to literally just share her story. She's somebody who I admire. She's somebody that inspires me each and every day, uh, which is always a slightly silly to feeling um, because she's younger than I am. But I love that. I love a little person who can show up in my world and give me a skill set to experience that I would have never had access to in my own individual life. So she's very near and dear to my heart. uh, And I am so grateful that she's being brave. And I hope that we can reward her vulnerability today by getting her story out there for people who might need to connect with it and hear that we do recover. So if you don't mind, Miss Kaylee, go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How old are you? Where are you located? Anything that you're comfortable sharing? And then yeah, we'll kind of get into whatever you're ready to start with. Um, Well, I'm Kaylee Thomas. I am 30. I turned 30 this year, well, last year. Um, I'm the mom of four, little girl, and I live in King City, middle of the middle of nowhere. That's like, Missouri, if you didn't know, by the way. Oh, yeah, Missouri, my bad. Yeah. Uh, little town, 1,500 people here, maybe. I was born and raised here. I moved away for a little bit and then came back, but yeah, that's me. Um, I, I don't know. I've been an addict my, as long as. I would like to remember, but, you know, it, honestly, it goes back to, all the way back to the beginning, uh, my mom and dad, both of them are addicts, and they divorced before I was ever really old enough to have any real memories of them, but, you know, that's, that's where it all started, like, my mom had, my mom had different boyfriends, uh, like, in, Every single one of them was an addict growing up. Like, every single boyfriend she had was fell right back into the catalog. And, you know, they would stay locked in their room for what felt like days. And, you know, it, it, it varied, honestly, because sometimes they had their good days and they were on a good high and they'd take us and go do fun stuff. Like, I remember one time we went when we were kids and we fucking went camping, okay, on the river in the summertime. And we had to carry our ship over the top of our heads, through the water, down like a mile and a half, because we had to have the perfect spot. Like, 
had to be the perfect spot. And, like, I don't know. It just, as kids, you know, it just seems normal. But then there was other times when it was just complete chaos. Like, I woke up in the middle of the night one time, and my mom's boyfriend at the time and her ex-boyfriend, who she, I don't know, I don't know how that all went down, but the, she was with one, wasn't with one. Woke up in the middle of the night when I was a kid, and they were, like, completely fighting. Like, one smashed the fucking weight from a weight bench into one's face. It, it was, like, brutal. There was blood everywhere, and I'm waking up from dead sleep to this. Like, it just, childhood was chaos, okay? It was, uh, it was basically that way until I was, like, 11, but, you know, as a kid, you're kind of just, you're oblivious to shit. You don't really know what's going on. I mean, I knew that life wasn't the same as the girls that I went to school with. You did. I mean, I, I would go to their house and I could see, you know, the differences in their family and my, and the things that were happening. And so as a kid, you know, like, I jumped at every single opportunity I could to be anywhere else. I didn't want to be at my house. I wanted to be anywhere else. And... You know, I was a smart kid. I was a good kid. I got all A's all through school, like, was in the gifted program for, like, the kids that, you know, excelled above where they were at normally. Uh, I did the spelling bees, academic teams. I did basketball, cheerleading. If you could do it as an elementary school student, I was doing it. Anything possible to be away from home. Hmm. Like, and... I have a sister. I have a brother. My sister's six years older than I am. My brother's four years older than I am. And my sister pretty much was mom. Because, like, mom would have boyfriends, but they would be doing whatever they do. And so my sister was pretty much mom. And she moved out when I was seven, or when she was 17. She moved out with her boyfriend. And my brother was, like, 15 at the time. And he was already, he my brother's institutionalized. By the time he was 15, he was already locked up for the first time. And it, he spent most of his life there. Like, that's ultimately, he spends his time there. And so, you know, my sister moved out. My brother was gone. It was just me and my mom now. And I was like... So you would have been about 11? Yeah, like 11. Okay. And so, you know, at that point, my mom worked full time. So she wasn't ever home. If, like, when I was in school, I was in school, come home, mom wasn't there. If she was, she was sleeping, or she was doing whatever. So I ended up, I spent a lot of time staying other places. Like, I stayed at my mom's, or not my mom's, I stayed at my sister's house, uh, stayed at my grandma's house. Uh, I stayed between my aunt's houses. And, you know, that's about the time when the sexual abuse started, was bouncing between all of those different places. And, you know, I, at the time, I didn't realize that's what was going on. Like, you know, we're all just kids. And so in my head, I think at the time I thought we were just playing and it was normal. Like that wasn't what, there wasn't anything bad happening. By the time I turned 12 though, I was spending way more time gone. Like been going and spending weeks with a family friend of my mom's who really in the long run turned out not to be a family friend. And you know, that's how it works though. It's always the ones that you think you can trust the most, and it was not that way. Uh, it was around 12, whenever I was... <sighs> Sorry, my heart's pounding too hard Sorry, right now. Take a breath, it's okay. So it was around 12, whenever I was actually raped by this person, and conditioned to believe that if I told anybody, that it would nobody would believe me, and that if I did tell somebody, it would just ruin my life and everybody's life that I love. And so I didn't tell anybody. And it, it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like, it just kept happening because nobody knew. And so my mom just kept sending me to go stay with people. And so let's see. Fast forward a little bit to summer after seventh grade. And I spent the summer that summer in St. Joe, staying with one of my mom's tweaker friends that I should have never been staying with because this fucking friend allowed her kids to do whatever the hell they wanted to. 
And so that's when I first started getting high. Like summer after seventh grade, we started smoking pot. And I remember the first time I smoked a joint, I was like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe this is how I get all of this stuff to just go away. Because, you know, as a fucking preteen trying to deal with all this shit, didn't know how, had nobody to talk to about it or, you know. And so I remember spending that entire summer doing nothing but getting high, just hanging out. But it was like the best summer I remember having, as crazy as that sounds. Like, this is the first summer that you had a mental break. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I went back home after the summer was over, obviously started out eighth grade and everything. And then mom decides that she's going to move. She's moving to St. Joe. Now, keep in mind, like, I have lived in King City my whole life. I went to St. Joe for that one summer. But, like, you don't see crazy shit in King City like you would in a city school. Like, you don't have teen pregnancy all that often. You don't have fights at school or kids skipping class or doing drugs at school. Like, that just is not really heard of here. And then I moved to St. Joe. And, like, literally my first day at St. Joe, I went through the walkthrough of the school at 8th grade. And the guide that was walking me around showing me my classrooms and everything was fucking six months pregnant. She's in my class, and she's six months pregnant. We're walking around, and we go down the first hallway, and as soon as we get to the bottom of the stairs, a fight breaks out. And I was like, holy shit. Holy shit. What is going on here? Like, I'm not okay here. I... And so, you know, at that point, you just, I'm scared to death. So I go to school the next day, and I'm like, I know this girl. She walked me around school. I should go find her because I can at least, you know, talk to her. And that was where I fucked up. I honestly got, not that I think that she's a bad person by any means, because she was my first best friend. Like, and I think, I'm, I'm honestly got real thankful for it every day because I don't know what I would have done. And so then I start hanging out with her. And, of course, she's already pregnant. She's doing all the shit that I should not have been doing at 12 and 13. And so that's whenever everything just kind of, it, you know, I don't know. I think at that point I was just trying to find anything I could to numb it. And so whether it was drugs or sex or whatever, alcohol, you know, I was doing all of it. Yeah, so let's put a pause in it because I, I have a feeling I know where we're getting to, but just to kind of recap a little bit. Because as you mentioned, uh, you, you start formulating memories around four, which is pretty typical. A lot of us, two to four is where we start having those conscious memories. And you mentioned mom and dad basically split, is what, yeah. right? Now, uh, they were, I think I was like eh, 18 months old, maybe. 18 months when they split. So what what about dad? Where was dad during all this? Dad, I, you know, I think for a little bit of time, maybe we went to my dad's house. I can remember being maybe around eight or so and going to my dad's house for a couple weekends here and there. Mm -hmm. But dad really wasn't in the picture at all. Like dad had a new family and they, he was dealing with his new family and we were just kind of not there. Interesting. So like, it, like, and I know you'll hear my heart when I say this, like a, a healthy family, like he kind of diverged completely from where mom went or kind of the same repetitive cycle with that family. Oh, no, no, no. Like dad went, was a great dad with his new family. Like I'm, it sucks to say this and I feel bad saying this, but, but I feel like like, I'm so jealous of my sisters. Like, they get the dad that I wished I had. It doesn't suck to say that. It's true, right? You deserve that, too. Yep, they do, too. Well, but you do, too. Right? You didn't do anything different than those children except for be born. Right? Yeah. Do you feel like because of your situation with mom and where dad was, is that was like kind of like the wedge that can started to drive between you guys being able to see him or was there something that deviated that? You know, I really have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I know in the beginning, 
like whenever my dad would start taking us, cause he didn't really even come back and start taking us until he got with this new woman and they, she was already pregnant with, or she either already had one and was pregnant with another one or she, I don't remember exactly. I was too little to remember. There's sure. not very much between me and my little sister. I mean, let's see, there's like nine years there maybe. Okay. So I don't know. I know that my stepmom in the beginning was not a great stepmom and I, I don't know how that whole situation played out because to be honest with you, I, I think most of it I've blocked out completely because I don't, it, I remember it not being good. We would go stay at my aunt's house and dad wouldn't even come see us when we were there. And like, it would be his time for us to be there and he just wouldn't show up. So, so how long has it been since you've talked to him? Um, just a couple weeks ago. Really? Right after Christmas. Yeah. What's yeah. your relationship with him like? Uh, there isn't really. I mean, he, when I found out I was pregnant, he kind of, I called him and told him I was pregnant and then he wanted to be a grandpa. And so I didn't want to deny my kids of a grandpa, even though I didn't have a dad. And if he was willing to be a grandpa, then I was going to let him be a grandpa. So no. since you're firstborn, he's been kind of reconnected with you in that regard, but minimally, as, as I'm understanding? Um, no. Like, I mean, my dad came and visited with us for Christmas and didn't say two words to me the whole time he was here. Like, that, that's just kind of how it is. My stepmom's great now. Like, she's a great grandma. I think if it wasn't for my stepmom, there wouldn't be any kind of relationship at all with my dad. I see. What about mom? Um, it's always just kind of been a rough relationship with mom. I love my mom to death, and I would do anything for her, but there are times in my life where I just really have to step back and be like, mommy's got to get it together. I can't, like, I, I can't have the relationship with her whenever it, it's certain at certain points in life. Yeah. It's understandable. And warranted yeah. and necessary. So, um, so she's still, they're both still around and kind of what you would expect at this time. So is mom pretty much the same, same old, same old? Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And as you'd mentioned with brother, it's just been the same kind of, dynamic for him off and on hardness off and on and his manifested in one way and you're manifested into self-coping would that, that be accurate well, well you know I think with my brother it was different because I know I don't I don't remember because I was so young but apparently at one point when we were kids my my dad had a girlfriend that was here in town who had a kid that was on the same baseball team as my brother and my dad would come and cheer on this other little boy and wouldn't even speak to my brother while he was there so if you want my personal opinion on it I think that the whole issue with my brother has always been he really just wanted a, a dad in his life and didn't have it and it really affected him and here we are yeah I would agree and that when you'd mentioned that about the institutionalized um segments of his life that's exactly what I was thinking is that you and your sister had enough to deal with as feminine energy aligning to mom and of course brother would align to dad in that method and so of course and how is your sister today she is good I mean she's living with me right now but she's got she's well they're not married but she's with the man they've been together for 13 years they've got three kids I mean, they have their own issues, but she got married at 17 hmm. when she moved out. Well, I think she might have been 18 when they got married. I don't remember. But she moved out and got the guy that beat the shit out of her. And she stayed for way too long. And then she left and got with somebody else that did the same shit to her. Then she left and went back to mom's. And then she got with the guy she's with now. And things haven't been bad for her, so... We all kind of, mom's got three very different kids. <laughs> like it, and it kills me because, you know, my ex-husband Matt used to tell me all the time, uh, you could ask any one of you three 
what life was like growing up and you're each one going to tell a different story. And I'm like, that's because it was very different for each of us. My sister grew up and my brother grew up and then I got, I was growing up and then was left there by myself with mom. Like mm-hmm. it was different for each of us. For sure. Yeah. And we each need different things. So when we don't get those things in the manner that is required for us to kind of grow up into happy, healthy adults, it's going to also affect us all individually. And I know he's right. I mean, I always think it's crazy. I I dare I say crazy cool, but crazy in that same method is like, you know, you could grow up in the same exact household and one of you could be brilliant. One of you could be chronically heartbroken and the other one could have like insane medical issues that are all kind of self-inflicted. It just is so... We're all like plants, basically. <laughs> like, you know, like you could have three identical plants, and one of them craves the sun, and one of them freaks out if you water it too much, and the other one cannot get enough water or whatever. But it's true, very true. Uh, so when you you'd mentioned this conversation about kind of that age range from twelve to thirteen, and you you'd mentioned something I think is really really important to kind of circle back to real quick because you'd mentioned. It, you said very specifically it was sexual abuse. I don't know if people would kind of say it was sexual. I didn't know it was sexual abuse. Saying as much as you feel comfortable with, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Are you talking about like the transition from when the when there was an adult that took advantage of you, or do you were you talking about there was other childhood behavior that was happening at that age too? Um, no, but between eleven and twelve, it was just childlike sexual abuse. That like like older cousins and. It wasn't adults at the time. Yes. Yeah. When that's actually, that is what I anticipated you were saying, but I think that what you had said was perfect and also bears repeating because when we are children and we're doing things like that, you're right. Like if, if there is no parent or uh, an adult involved, we almost don't even think about it being anything other than make believe or playing house or whatever. Uh, but those are behaviors, of course, that are inappropriate and unhealthy for children under the age of 18. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what the cutoff is. I think that people should be over, should be later than 18 because our brains aren't fully formed anyways. But you know what argument I'm trying to make here. And so I would, yeah. I would agree with that. Like you had said, when you're just a child, especially if you have seen that behavior mimicked in movies or obviously through some type of inappropriate direct correlation to that too those are giant red flags and I'm, I'm surprised at how often I think that happens especially amongst children who know each other or are related and parents don't often know nobody knows nobody knows like like I don't think telling you right now I've only only told one other person in my entire life this story like one time so but I didn't know any better at the time. Right. How could you? At, but 12 is when everything was different. 12, it wasn't just kids. It was a family friend of my mom's who I went and stayed with all the time. She sent me to Colorado with these guys, like, or well, with this guy, not anybody else, just the two of us. And fuck, he gave me a whole baggie of pills and a bag of fucking pot. It was like, here, do this. Oh, rub your back. Like You were the only kid present? I was the only person present, just the two of us. <sighs> make it make sense. Right. It's hard because I mean, obviously the personal development side of me is like shame on you, mom, because things were difficult for her and instead of obtaining the skills to become a good mom and to protect her child. She did what all of us do in terms of being a human, but then you extend that to the conversation of addiction, which is to self-soothe in some way to avoid the icky feeling. And if a child who I can't even comprehend my own emotions, let alone my own child, it's easier for me out of sight, out of mind. And if I would have stopped to question twice why an adult man would be okay with watching my preteen child, I probably would have gone a little bit further into it, but I'm so deep in my own shit that I will write that off as being acceptable so that I can stay in my cocoon of comfort. Did that make sense? Yeah. To be. Don't say fair. I don't want to justify it. Okay. And I want to say to be fair, but it's not fair. Okay. But it wasn't like it was a 30 year old man taking a child. It was like a 70 year old who my mom knew his wife. And it was like the, grandpa and 
But still. Still. Yeah. Still. Yeah, I, I mean, I, but I think that's important to what you just said is because, again, that correlation to an older gentleman who shouldn't, I don't know if the, the theory for adults is to think that who shouldn't have the ability to take advantage of my child, that's still an important thing to make sure you have in consideration. But I, I understand exactly what it is you're saying. It's not that mom had any intention to think that there could be a chance that that would be happening to you. Right. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, elaborate those conversations. And so as you mentioned, uh, so you went from King City to St. Joe. And for those of us that are unfamiliar with the Missouri area, can you just estimate what's the population difference between the two? Okay, so King City is about like 1,500 people. Okay, St. Joe's got like, fuck. I want to say like 40,000, possibly more than that. But still quite a large difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Like it's literally going from a little bitty small town to the next biggest city that there is around. Yeah. Like it's not Kansas City, but it is getting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so you're in school, and um, and also I'm just going to say because, like you said, no no shade and no skin off of this young woman's um character who is pregnant because again we do the best we can with what we can. We're generally replicating patterns as well, but that's a kind of a shame on the school. Like it's not again, it's not like you're pregnant, so we got to keep you away from people. But it's like like you had just said because what happened? It was the very first person you ended up hanging out with because it was the only person that you knew. But I just, I don't think that people are in that headspace to really understand that, right? They're probably just giving the pregnant girl a job to do because she couldn't go to gym class. <laughs> so she's 12 or 13 when you meet her six months pregnant, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's kind of pick back up from where we were. So you're, you're on your very first day of school, second day of school, you're hanging out with the pregnant chick. Yes. Yes. And from then on, like it was me and her like this, I was going to her house, staying with her all the time. And you know, that's really where I started to actually, like, see what meth was. Mm. Like, before I was pretty sheltered on it. Like, I mean, I didn't really know what drugs were whenever I was, you know, up until I was about eight or so. Or whenever you have the dare class is whenever it's fucking clicked. Interesting. What did you think okay. that your mom was doing, locking herself in the room all the time prior to that? Just didn't no know? Clue. Didn't know. No, I knew that it smelled weird coming from her room because my room was right next door. Yeah. And I knew that it would, like, smell weird coming from her room. And I knew that, like, they were doing weird shit. Like, her boyfriend fucked out all his eyelashes one time in the middle of the night. Like, weird shit would happen. Okay. But I didn't know that that's what was going on. Gotcha. It wasn't until, like, I did that dare class and my brother started getting in trouble that I realized, Oh, it's drugs. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what's happening here. And then I moved to St. Joe and was like, Oh, Hey, look, this is drugs. Mm -hmm. And I think I really just, I don't know. I wanted something that I, something to help cope with all of it. It was everything in my life had just changed so fucking much. Like, I just went through this traumatic experience. I have nobody I can talk to about it. I can't tell anybody about it. Now my mom just took me away from everybody that I know and everything I've ever known and moved me here to where I don't know anybody. And so... At a very crucial age for a young person. Yeah. So now I'm like, it's eighth grade and I made friends by the end of the year. But it also made some really bad friends. And so that summer between like eighth grade and freshman year, I was drinking, like, all the time. I was throwing parties. I was throwing ragers at my fucking mom's house while my mom was at work. And it, she never fucking knew, right? Like, I think that was whenever I first tried ecstasy for the first time, too. And that was ridiculous. Like, what 12, 13-year-old kid is taking fucking ecstasy and riding around with grown-ass men all over the place. Who are giving these children drugs. Who are giving exactly. Yeah. But mom didn't know because I told her I'd go stay with somebody else and then that's when we would go do it. Like she wasn't checking up on me while I was there. Sure, sure. And so by this time, because like you said, that very first exposure to drugs was marijuana. 
And now yeah. getting into St. Joe is when you see meth. So, and then, so you're doing meth and ecstasy. Are you still smoking? No, 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 no. I was not doing meth at the time. That's but what I, I'm, that's what no. I'm trying to figure. That's why I was trying to get the timeline. So you've done pot. Now you've tried ecstasy, done but you pot, have not I've done not, meth yet. No, I've done pot. I've done any and every pill I could find. Like that. I want to say it was, it was freshman. So like I, the guy that took me to Colorado gave me a whole fucking baggie of pills one time and a whole suitcase full of fucking Boone's Farm and was like, here you go. So I drank it all, mm-hmm. took a bunch of these fucking pills, thought that it was going to be over with, you know, cause that was the whole purpose. I just wanted it to stop. I just wanted to cope with something and it, and it wasn't working and it didn't fucking work. I threw up everything all over the fucking place. And then it just got worse from there, really. Like, it was an everyday thing. By the time freshman year started, I wasn't even going to classes anymore. Like, I wasn't... If I did go to class, I was disrupted the whole time. I would get sent to ISS. I'd, leave, I'd go tell them I'm going to the bathroom, and I'd just fucking leave and not come back. Like, it just... It was a really, really low point in my life freshman year. And you couldn't tell by looking at me. Like, everybody thought I was just this happy girl that couldn't shut her mouth. She didn't know how to stop talking. She was just too excited about life at the time. And really, I was fucking dying inside, just looking for anything to make it all stop. Mm. And I think at the end of my freshman year is whenever I met James. And I thought I met the love of my life. Like... I thought I finally met somebody that loved me just as I was. I was young and dumb. And, well, let's see. I met him in January. By July, by August. It was right after my 16th birthday. I found out I was pregnant. And that relationship was bad. Like it was great in the beginning. Everything was great. We were madly in love. And then everything went to shit real fast. And I I don't know. We weren't trying not to have a baby. Okay. We weren't trying not to. And I think at the time, I don't think I would ever admitted it, but I think now looking back that I really just wanted a baby because I wanted something I just wanted somebody to love me and I knew that if I was a mom I would love that baby unconditionally the way that my mom did it the way that my dad did it it didn't matter because the baby was going to have me it didn't matter if me and James were dead or not I didn't care And I was pregnant that same year. And things just went to shit so fast after that. Like, it went from just, like, mentally abusive to, like, I was telling my mom that we were wrestling and I fell and hit my eye on his knee because I had a huge black eye while I was pregnant. I didn't want to tell her what the hell happened. Like 16. 16 and not even living at my mom's house anymore because once again mom's life is chaos mom's life means that we don't have propane for heat we don't have we don't have running water we don't have electricity we don't have things that we need to prepare for a baby to bring a baby into this house so I when I found out I was pregnant I had actually moved back to King City with James to my sister's house and we were living with her and I was going to try to go to school back in King City because I knew if I went back to King City that I could do something with myself. So I moved back to King City that summer before I found out I was pregnant. Mm. Then I found out I was fucking pregnant and ended up moving back to St. Joe. Moved in with his mom. And the agreement was that 
I was going to go back to school and I could stay there. Well, I never went back to school. And so we're living in his parents' house now and like the relationship was bad. It, it didn't get any better the further I got along in my pregnancy. I was alone all the time. I was depressed. When I actually had Allie, I had the worst postpartum depression. I don't, I didn't get out of bed for two weeks. Like I, I cried and I laid in bed and nursed. I was trying to breastfeed and it was, it wasn't working because I wasn't eating myself. I wasn't taking care of myself to be able to take care of a baby. And I remember being so fucking depressed and they gave me those pills after my surgery or after my, they give you whatever the fuck it is. Pain pills. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Allie's dad just kept trying to take them and kept trying to take them. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm not even taking them because like the last time I took fucking pills, I tried to take all of them and kill myself. Like I'm, I, I'm not even taking these. Why am I going to give them to you? And so I think it was at that point in my life that I really, it had clicked with me that, if I was going to be a mom, then I couldn't do those things like I was before. Mm. Because I knew that it's too easy for me to not want to stop. And I think, oh, Allie was like six months old, I think, and I got a job. No, maybe not. I don't remember exactly how old she was. She wasn't too old because we split up by the time she was six or eight months old. Mm. And shortly before we split up, we had been with these friends of mine. And these friends of mine were like, hey, you guys want to try this? And had a bowl of dope. And I say dope, but a bowl of meth. And they were like, you guys want to do this? And I had never done it before. And I'm pretty sure he had... I don't, I don't remember, but went ahead and did it. And I remember being completely anti-meth until that point. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Sure. Hmm. And so you're 16 or 17 by this time and your baby's less than a year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're like, we got still more than 20 minutes left, but, um, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm 99.9% sure we're definitely going to need to go into a part two because we're, I want to, and, you know, we have to catch up to where you are today and how things are. Um, and before you start telling me about this experience, because this is the first time that you and I have ever gone this much into depth about your life in that regard, I, I just want to circle back to what you were just saying about having a baby at such a young age because... Um, the whole reason we're sitting here doing the podcast is I had reached out to, to Kaylee because what we we didn't really say at the very beginning in a very short, short thing is that uh, we met through being sister consultants with the in-home party company that we partner with. And I mean, I can't remember how long it's been. I've been in business for eight years. So we've known each other. For, I mean, 10 years is how long I've been in. It was 2015. 2015. So going on, you know, just eight. So eight was right. So we've known each other for eight years. We bonded very quickly and very heavily in, in business uh, and we're states away. But it was kind of funny because her real life best friend became like my best friend in the business and one of my real life best friends became her best friend in the business. So we were basically just four of us always hanging out and uh, traveling together and doing conferences and stuff like that. And the very last conference I ever attended, I got to spend a lot more one-to-one -one time uh, with, uh, with Kaylee. Uh, we just were in different groups and... She's, she's actually shared that story with me in a parking garage about how she just knew that she had had a baby to basically satiate her own comfort needs. And that was years ago because that was like the, the very first year after I had Olivia. So it's had to have been at least four years ago that we had that conversation. And it has stuck with me every day since you told it to me. And I reached out to you, as you know, to ask you to do the podcast because it changed my life around being a young mother and understanding my own motives and whether they were subconscious, conscious or not, or a mix of all of the things above and below, whatever. It is such a painful realization as a mom because it's like, I wanted that baby. I did. I wanted that baby with all my heart. 
and I feel like maybe my intention was wrong on why I wanted the baby, but I wanted the baby. And I never want my kid to feel like I had a child out of the wrong reasons because my heart was ready. But the earthbound reality might not align with the perfect reason to have a kid as if there is one. But it was so brave of you to say it. It was so brave of you to acknowledge it. It was so powerful to even have the realization because most people will never. They'll never understand. And how many of us young women do that shit to ourselves because of the love we were missing growing up. And then it easily translate to a problem that can be fixed by growing another. And it, it doesn't. Just like you were saying, and my heart breaks for you as we both know that when you have a baby under circumstances like that, it's going to be incredibly rare that you're going to be able to turn your life around right away, if at all, because of the need that a full-time human requires and is rightfully owed, which you did not get. You did not get. And your baby then, hear my heart, you'll know I'm saying this, your baby then suffered because your intention to be a great mother with unconditional love was there from the beginning, but you were not equipped with the tools to be able to give that to baby. Right. And so then you have this push and this pull. No wonder you had postpartum depression because you couldn't provide with the intention that you had for Allie having the best life ever. You just couldn't give it to her because you nobody had ever given it to you. So I, I just wanted to say that because it, it really changed my life to be able to sit and think about it for this long and to really process it as um, the second part of my personal development is all around being a mom. It's all about healing my wounds. It's all about recognizing that my mom fell short as well. But recognizing she did the best she could and she was a human being and that I can't continue to hang my woes on what she didn't do for me uh, because then I'm not any better and then I'm just bitter and angry and I just have to recognize and realize that the largest gift my mom gave to me was a notion of the mom I didn't want to be and it's hard because I just realized that a couple of years ago and so I'm still trying to shape 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 my brain into understanding that's not the mother I'll be. That's not the mother I'll be. And then the guilt of, but you were for a certain amount of time. I didn't know any better. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. And like living here in this really uncomfortable space about judging and critiquing self so that I can come back on the other side and do what I can with my kiddos, you know, while this time is still here. So I hope that you do commend yourself. And I know that another part of the reason why we wanted to, I wanted to do this podcast with you was to really acknowledge how much motherfucking work you have done because I don't think that you do. I think you probably spend way more of your headspace thinking about how far you have to go. But we, we've all got a far ways to go, but you also have to compare. I don't like to do that, but I would for you. Compare how motherfucking far you've come against other young mothers, young women in general, young people from King City, okay? Young people with addiction, all of these things, all of these circumstances, you have succeeded beyond measure from where you've come from and we haven't even we're not even past 17 years old yet like I just wanted you to know that and it's so important that people hear it and I, I hope that any young mother who might be struggling with the idea of notion of what we just talked about you're it's okay you're not bad you're not evil you're not wrong for having done those things if you did if anything embrace it and acknowledge them now because then you'll just be able to move forward from them I fully believe that that Kaylee gave me a seed of healing I didn't know I needed that many years ago so thank you best friend you're welcome so you're welcome. thanks for letting me squirrel I said we were way past 20 minutes and now we've got like 15 which is okay we're still gonna wrap it up with a couple of minutes before so we can get on to part two but please I digress I'm, I am curious to know how this first experience went and if you don't mind even maybe in explaining if you can remember kind of the differences between highness between like weed uh ecstasy and meth if, if you can recall okay so the first time I smoked pot it was like everything all the voices in my head just stopped they didn't stop but, but they were quieter and nicer? Quiet. It was quiet. And I could think about something else yes. that would make me happy. Yes. That didn't, wasn't so loud. Like, ecstasy. Ecstasy made me giggly. It made me giggly and wide awake. And hell, we, we would take ecstasy and fucking... Do dumbass shit like, well, I'm pretty sure I did ecstasy and then had sex with some dude on the back of a fucking air conditioning at some old nursing home thing. Mm. 
I'm pretty sure that happened though. And, but it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like pot. It didn't make everything stop. It didn't, it wasn't that for me. It was fun a couple times. Did it here and there. Um, meth was like, I was able to pick myself up and do the things that I needed to do that I knew I needed to do because that's what you do to get better. But I had no energy for it because I was so fucking stuck in this depression. And when I did it the first time, I was like, wow, I I can probably literally do anything right now. Hmm. And I think, you know, they call it the new mom drug because that's what, that's how new moms get by. You got so much shit to do or the new mom or the single mom drug or whatever the fuck they call it. And that's, it, it really was, but you know, I know the relationship with Allie's dad was bad already and I needed to leave that situation. But once we started using it deteriorated so fast, mm. like it wasn't a month after we started using that it was completely done and over with. And it ended in like a full out drag out brawl, like that it got so bad that at one point he fucking threw a phone at me and we're all sitting in his mom's house, sitting on the couch. I'm holding the baby on my lap. His mom's sitting beside me and he's in the other room comes in screaming at me, throws this fucking phone and it hit the baby instead of me. And so I gave Allie to his mom and then I lost my shit. And I mean, I'm not saying that this whole time that I was innocent in the, in the abuse situation, because if you put his hands on me, I threw mine back. I'm that I'm, you're not going to put your hands on me and may not do something about it at that point in life. But that was the last time that, I was like, I, I can't, I can't put my kid through this. I can't do this to my kid. And so I took Callie and I went back to my mom's house and I started living at my mom's house and I was working at Taco Bell. And I, at this time I was just right around 17, almost 17. And I started working at Taco Bell when I went back to my mom's house or no, I was living at James's still. So it was shortly after Allie was born that I started working at Taco Bell. I, I was 16 still and started working there. My mom had worked there. She got me a job there. And she knew this guy that worked there. And I got to know this guy that worked there. And we started hanging out a lot. And he also did drugs. And it was around this time that I actually got high with my mom for the first time. And I... I told my mom I'd never gotten high on dope before because I wanted to get high and I knew that she had something and I didn't. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go tell her that I want to smoke with her because I want to try it and we'll see what the hell happens. And you know what? I went and said that to my mom and my mom got high with me. Right. This is 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the guy that I was talking to, we, he ended up moving in with us and we were together at the time and on my 18th birthday, like things weren't really good in that situation either. They weren't terrible. Like he was mentally abusive and like I was 17, he's 29 or 28. I was going to ask you that earlier too. Okay. Okay. So large age gap. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. I should have known better. I didn't. How would you have? And, you know, I got so wrapped up in everything else that now I feel like it's important to note here, okay, because I don't, I've taken a lot of pride in the fact that I've never been a bad mom to my kids. I've always, always made sure that they have everything that they need, that I'm there with them as much as I can be, and that they have an active and involved mom from the beginning, okay? Whether I was high on fucking meth and or not I was 
active and with my kids. I wasn't hiding in my room. I wasn't leaving them with somebody else to go do dumb shit. Like, I had my kids. Was I getting high around my kids in the same room with them? Absolutely not. But, so, on my 18th birthday, I had been working this whole time. I had worked the whole time since I had Allie. I had a job. And so I signed a lease on my 18th birthday to find to move out into my own place. And uh, the three of us moved in there, me and Allie. And things were good for a while. It wasn't a good relationship. Him and Allie wasn't, I don't think. I didn't see it at the time because, like, I, he was watching her while I was at work. And my mom would tell me that she could hear him upstairs yelling at her and she was crying. But my mom was too afraid to go up there and say anything. And so I don't know what the relationship was whenever he was there with my kid because I was at work. Allie tells me she can remember whenever she was younger and that he tripped her one time because I'm getting ahead of myself. But she she can tell me things from when she was a kid that were not good and it makes me look back like how did I miss it? Like mm. but so things were whatever with him. And then I got pregnant and I remember being so relieved that I was pregnant because I knew that if I was pregnant, I couldn't get high and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to keep getting high. And so how old was Allie by this time? Allie was about two, about two years old. Yeah. They're about three years. They're exactly three years apart. So right around two and I got pregnant with Piper well I got pregnant and then I had a miscarriage and then I got pregnant two weeks later or well I got found out I was pregnant four weeks later so but then do you feel like you're still actively trying to have babies at this time or just not really trying not to I got my birth control removed Mm. I think we had had a conversation about having another one or that I wanted another one. And then I went and got my birth control removed. And then it wasn't much later that I got pregnant after that. Do you know how old your mom was when she had your sister? Seventeen or eighteen. Seventeen or eighteen. Okay. Okay. So pregnant with your second, right? And you're eight shortly after. Oh, shortly after eighteen, right? Yes. Okay. I think this is a good place then for us to make sure we have enough time. We'll pause on this first episode and come back to a second one, if that sounds good. All right, friends. So y'all know the routine. Um, Just make sure to to subscribe if you haven't already for the podcast so you can uh, catch Kaylee's second half. I think that you're really going to want to know exactly, you know, the continuation of where she's at in her life because... She's only on daughter number two, (laughs) FYI. And I really want to make sure that we get to a conversation about how she is today because she's been remarkable for over a year now. And I really want you to hear that. So um, Good Girls Guide 2 podcast, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, Linktree again to connect if you want. I'll make sure to put Kaylee's information and I highly recommend that you follow her story. She's massively inspirational and uh, you can follow along in her journey and how she continues to grow just like I'm doing uh, and support her in all the good ways and all the good vibes. So stay happy, stay healthy, wash your hands and we'll come right back for part two. So thank you. Bye.